Last week, two weeks ago, we started talking about church leadership and what Scripture teaches us about church leadership. And so we began that study a couple weeks ago. Last week, we started looking at elders uh, as we see them develop, or the idea of the eldership developing in the book of Acts. And we left off last week by looking at Acts chapter 20. So let's go back to Acts chapter 20. And what we were seeing in Acts chapter 20 is the fact that you have three different terms that seem to be applied to uh, what I like to call the critters we now know as elders today. But in Acts chapter 20, Paul has called for the elders of the church at Ephesus to meet him in Miletus. He's on his way back to Judea where he will eventually be arrested and eventually be tried uh, by Festus and Felix and, and then sent on to Rome. Uh, where he has appealed, and uh, we really don't know what's going to happen to him at that point. Acts closes without telling us. But as far as Paul knows, as he's moving here in Acts chapter 20, the Holy Spirit has told him, when you get to Judea, things aren't going to go well for you. And so he's called the elders of the church at Ephesus to meet with him. He wants to share with them some things. And the things that he's wanting to share with them is to remind them of their role as shepherds of the church in Ephesus. And so we see these terms. First of all, in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, we see the word elders used. From Eliotus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And so we have presbuteros, the Greek word for elder, used here, and it's used in the plural sense. As that or Luke tells us that he called the elders of the church, which matches what we've seen thus far in the book of Acts. Wherever we've seen elders, they have been elders of single churches, not elders of multiple churches or one man in charge of a congregation, but we see a plurality of elders in each of the churches. And that seems to be the case here. He calls for the church at or the elders of the church that is at Ephesus. And so they come down to meet him, and he talks with them, uh, and he tells them, verse 25, Behold, I know that all, of, uh, that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom of, will no longer see my face. And then he says in verse 28, he says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And so we talked about last week the fact that now we have two additional terms that seem to be applied to elders. And one of those terms is episkopos, in the plural form, uh, which means overseer. And we talked about the fact last week that for the Greeks, the idea of an overseer might be someone who had uh, uh, the responsibility of overseeing somebody else's funds to accomplish a work. And oftentimes this was used in construction, where someone uh, was constructing a building and the overseer was responsible for taking the funds that that person had to build their building and making sure that the right people building and doing it in the right way. So this isn't the person that goes out to the job site necessarily every day and does the work himself. But it's the person that makes sure that there's a crew there and that they're doing their work and they're doing it in the right way. And that person is responsible for the landlord or landowner's funds. 
And that's important. Because when we think about the work of elders, they are taking the Lord's uh, resources and looking at the work that the church is doing and making sure that the right folks are doing the right work in the right way uh, with the sources, resources that God has given that church. But then Paul says here in verse 28 that there was a reason that God made these elders overseers. And that was that they were to shepherd. And he uses the verb form of the word for a shepherd. The infinitive form to shepherd. With the same word that we see in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12. Where Paul says that God gave some to be pastors and teachers. And in Ephesians 4 and verse 12. The word pastor is the noun form of this very same word. That Paul uses and acts, or that Luke uses to talk about Paul's speech in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 when he says to shepherd. And it's the same noun that Peter uses in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, when he talks to the shepherds of the church. And that Jesus is the chief shepherd. And so the three terms that we see are episkopos. Overseer, presbyteros, elder, and poimon, I shepherd. And we see those three terms applied to the work of elders, and they all refer to a different function, or they highlight a different function. The idea of presbyteros, or elders, as we see throughout Scripture, it is not simply uh, a little boy like David, a good example of that, uh, of someone that kind of watches. A, a, a group of sheep, but it's the idea of caring for those sheep, leading them to where they need to go, providing that leadership. I just got off on my train of thought here, uh, but that's what a shepherd does. He leads them. I, I got off on shepherd instead of presbyteros. If throughout Scripture we see presbyteros or the idea of elders as sometimes being someone who is older, now it never defines what older is. Bill, I don't know. What do you think older is? What is older to you, Bill? I know, but you're, that's what father-in-laws are for, right? Absolutely, yes. Okay, so sometimes there's that idea of someone being older and having advice and having... Uh, counsel that they can give someone. Is that kind of what you're saying? Okay. Uh, and sometimes that's an informal thing. Right? So, so uh, we can all play the game. Who is older, right? Uh, I'm older than Jay and, and Devon and, and, and Ozzy. But there's other people in the room that are older than I am. And, and sometimes the word just means older in terms of your age. Uh, and hopefully someone, when they are older have learned from experience and, and gained some knowledge and are able to give that advice, kind of like Bill, Bill was talking about. Okay, So like in 1 Timothy, we talk about the older women. Now, be careful when you're defining what that is, right? Uh, what is an older woman, right? Uh, but this, the, the feminine ver, uh, form of this word is used to talk about older women over there in 1 Timothy. And how you are to care, how the evangelist is to relate to older women 
in the church. And so there's that generic sense, but sometimes in Scripture, we also see elders used to refer to a council of people. You see this, for instance, uh, when Judah um, goes to the elders of the city uh, to make a business transaction. You see this with Abraham when he goes to the elders of the city at the city gate, uh, referring not only to people that are older than him, but people who are looked to to be decision makers and advisors to others. Job says, I used to sit in the city gate with the elders, and when I stood up to speak, everyone else got quiet. And then he goes on to say how his life was turned upside down. But the point there is that there was a group of people, a group of older men, who were seen as being counselors and leaders for the city. You see that throughout the Old Testament. And when we get to the New Testament, we see that same idea from Jewish scripture that seems to be applied to a group of men who were elders in the church. And so it takes on not only the idea of being older, but of also that idea of being a council. And so when Paul calls for the elders of Ephesus, and when, it talks, when Luke talks about the fact that Paul and Barnabas went back, and Paul and Silas went back through the different places that they were, and they appointed elders in every church, he's not saying that they went and they said, hey, you are the old guys of the church. You know, that's never good. Uh, but saying you are the ones who are the decision makers. The idea of elders is the decision-making function of an eldership. Elders do have a responsibility to make decisions for the church and to lead the church. But then they also have this idea of episkopos or being an overseer. And that is to say that God has given them sources or given the church resources and that their job as an overseer is to make sure that those resources are being used by the right folks in the right way to build the church. So it doesn't mean that the elders are necessarily involved in everything, doing every little work. They certainly need to be aware of what's going on. They certainly need to be able to relate to the people that are working. But their task is to make sure that everyone in the church is working and working in the right way. Now, with that in mind, let's look back at the passage that you and I have studied many, many times in Ephesians chapter 4 and see how this fits. Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 12. In verse 11, he says that God gave some in different roles, including pastors and teachers. I believe that's talking about elders. And he says, For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And then he comes down and he says in verse 15, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. He says God gave some as evangelists, and he gave some as pastors and teachers for the purpose of equipping the church so that eventually we all get to the point so that every individual part is working, supplying something to the growth of the body. 
And when we think about that idea of overseers, making sure that the right folks are doing the right work in the right way, that's the overseeing function. Some translations may translate it superintend or superintendent. That would be a, another uh, acceptable translation of the word overseer here. But they are making sure that the work is getting done and it's being done in the right way. They're aware of what's going on. What does that imply about the quality and the knowledge of elders of the members of the church? What does that require them? require of them? They need to know and love the members of the church individually. Why, why do you say that? Okay, so they have to know the members to make sure that the work's being done the right way. Isn't one of the implications, and Beverly touched on this, she was, she was moving in the direction I was wanting to go, and that was, it requires the elders to know the members of the church. It requires me to know that Jay has an ability to lead singing. Right? <laughs> it, it requires me to know that. It requires me to know... Bill has the ability to teach a class. It, it requires me to know uh, that Ozzy has the ability uh, to work with his hands and, and, and do great things when it comes to the physical requirements of taking care uh, of, of a building and facilities and that sort of thing. It, it requires me to know th that Linda enjoys working with kids and is good working with kids. Okay? But you see, if I'm not involved with the congregation, am I going to know those things? It requires me to know the church, doesn't it? If I'm going to know that these are some of the things that we need to get done, and these are the folks in the church that can get that done, inherent in that is my knowing the church. Now, part of that knowledge comes from the third term that's used, and that is a shepherd or to shepherd. Okay, whether the noun or verb form of the word is used, koimano, I shepherd, koimoinen, uh, to shepherd. Okay, uh, shepherding, and that's where I got off track there a minute ago. The shepherding, we know, we think of, of David as being a little boy and, and, and being a, and maybe walking through sheep, but there's a lot more to shepherding than that. Shepherding is the idea of knowing where the food is, where the pasture is, where the water is, and leading my flock there, caring for them that way. It requires me seeing dangers that are far off or being aware of dangers and taking action to protect the flock from those dangers. 
It requires me to uh, find the sheep that are sick, that are injured, that are hurting, and caring for them. So we go back to John chapter 10 where Jesus talks about, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. There are others who are hirelings uh, that don't really care for the flock. They're this year for the paycheck. Now, it doesn't say that in the Greek, te- Greek text, but that's what Jesus is arguing it. He says, the difference between me and these Pharisees is that I really care for the sheep. And my sheep know me, and I know them. So they hear my voice, and they follow me. And so one of the things that we sometimes miss, because none of us are shepherds, I'm assuming. Tommy, were you ever a shepherdess? Did you ever herd sheep? No? You didn't do that? Okay. Uh, one of the things that that we miss because it's so far removed from, we're so far removed from that setting is that shepherds in antiquity, even in the days of Jesus, shepherds would be out pasturing their sheep and they would come to a city or a settlement where maybe they were going to stop for a night, maybe they were going to take care of some business or they had, some, they had a reason for being there and the city had one big pen for all the sheep to be in. And when Jesus says, I am the door, or I am the gate, and the sheep enter through me, he's making a reference to that. He says, everyone that climbs up over the wall are thieves and robbers. And so he's playing on something that for them was plain as day. Okay? Uh, and that was, you might have 20, 30 shepherds that are in town at the same time. They all put their sheep in the same pen, and they go and transact their, trans- transact their business. But the shepherd has spent so much time with the sheep, they recognize his voice. And so when he comes, he doesn't have to go back to the pen and say, "Um, I think that one's mine, and I think that one's mine, and I think that one's mine. He just calls his sheep, and they recognize his voice. They know him so well that they follow him without batting an eye. In fact, in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I called them by name in my sheep know me. And so when we have this analogy of a shepherd and these men being called shepherds, they care for the sheep so well that they can know them by name and they care for them. What is the mindset that we often have when we talk about elders in most churches in the United States today. What, 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 what is the idea that we have of elders? How are they often seen? Yeah. They trust him and they know that 
Yeah, absolutely. And so there's there's a difference between that and how I believe many of the many churches operate today. And that is, you know, we are such a business oriented culture. We see men who are successful in business or we think are great leaders in the community and we make them elders and we see elders and we almost completely look at the elder decision-making function of an eldership as the only aspect of what an elder is. And that's where we get into the problem that Bill said and that is sometimes we see them as being aloof, being important, having status above the, the congregation. And, and I don't think that's biblically accurate. That that's the way it should be. We have this idea of caring for the sheep. In fact, when we look at 1 Peter chapter 5, you know, Peter's going to talk about that idea of caring for the sheep. Uh, Angie's not here, but last week when she read that passage, I don't know what translation she was using, uh, but instead of it using the word shepherding or to shepherd, it translated it care for the sheep. And there's certainly that, that aspect of the word is caring uh, for the sheep. Okay, Linda, you look like you wanted to say something. I understand what you're saying. And um, you, you, when we start talking about qualifications, I think we're going to see why that may, may be the case. So often, churches tell themselves, and rightly so, we have to have elders, we have to have elders, we have to have elders. And yes, that's certainly the biblical model. We also see churches in the New Testament that didn't have elders, at least not initially, because how could Paul and Barnabas have gone back to the churches that they planted and appoint elders for them in every place. Those churches were functioning. Uh, Thessalonica was functioning even without elders. The ideal is to have elders. But so many churches, I think, rush to have elders before they're qualified that sometimes that's where we get into that problem. So we'll, we'll get there eventually. But I want to go back to something that, that Linda said here about God holding elders responsible. So let's go back to chapter 4. In the Old Testament. Now let's be clear. Ezekiel chapter 34 is not talking about elders in the church. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 34 is talking about priests and prophets uh, and the kings, those three groups, in Israel and Judah. 
Okay? But as we look at what God says to the priests, the prophets, and the kings of Israel and Judah in Ezekiel chapter 34, let's understand this analogy of shepherding and, and, and how this might relate to shepherds in the church today. Notice what he says, Ezekiel chapter 34. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened. The diseased you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and severity you have dominated them. For they were scattered for a lack of shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field, and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains, and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search for them, or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord, surely because my flock has become prey, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field, for the lack, for lack of a shepherd. My shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep so that the shepherds will not feed themselves any more. But I will deliver my flock from, them, from their mouth so that they will not be food for them. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he came among his scattered sheep, so I will, I will care for my sheep and I will deliver them from all the places to which they go. And he goes on to use this analogy of, of the shepherd throughout the chapter. What were the problems with the shepherds of Israel? What were they failing to do? Yeah, care for the flock. And he uses all these different scenarios. Uh, they didn't try to heal the disease. They didn't try to uh, search for the injured. They didn't try to uh, seek for the ones uh, that were lost. They didn't feed them. Uh, and because of that, they became vulnerable uh, as prey for, for predators. And they were only concerned with taking care of themselves. And so again, this is talking about the priests, the prophets, the kings of Israel. But if we look at this principle and this standard and we think about elders in the church today, should elders be concerned for members of the church that are spiritually sick or spiritually weak? Should they be concerned with, with members of the church that have uh, physical crises that are happening in their lives? Should shepherds be concerned when they look out and they think... Yeah, this family hasn't been here for three weeks. I wonder what's going on. And at the same time, they're feeding them. They're protecting them so that they don't become prey. How can the church become prey to the world today? How can the church become prey to the world today? Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. So what I'm hearing uh, in the conversation here are a couple things. One is, individually, our lives can be challenged by the world. And so a shepherd is aware of the flock and aware that someone is maybe facing crisis or facing things that from the world that is challenging us individually. Part of it is the church collectively. Uh, making sure that we don't succumb to pressures from the world to change our identity as Christ's bride. And so shepherds have that responsibility as well. Uh, the bell has rung, and so next week what we're going to do is continue looking at this idea, but we're going to look at the qualifications for elders. And as we look at the qualifications for elders, uh, what I want you to keep back in your mind, as you go back this week, read First Timothy uh, chapter 3, uh, about the first 15 verses, and also Titus chapter 1, uh, uh, beginning about verse 3 down to verse 10. Read those passages. And what we've traditionally done in Churches of Christ is we get wrapped up around uh, whether or not the guy has one wife and how many kids does he have and, and whether those kids are Christians. But I want you to really think about the other qualities, characteristics of the man that is described in these passages and how that helps us if a person has those qualities how that helps us ensure that we have someone that's going to be a shepherd, not just someone that can make decisions, but someone who is a shepherd. And we'll pick up with that next week. Thank you very much.